Welcome to the Conduit Deeper Podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to the Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, Executive Pastor at Conduit Church, joined with our lead pastor, Darren Tyler, for another Deeper Podcast where uh, we're going to switch gears a little bit, just a little bit this week. Um, The past few months have been current event heavy. Been a lot going on. There's yeah, there's a lot going on. There's been a lot going on, and there's going to be a lot more going on. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> in a couple months, I feel like and we've been talking about this. Like 2024 is shaping up to be a adventurous ride, I believe. And I I think I don't think that's hyperbole. hundred uh, percent not there, hyperbole. <laughs> there's just way too many variables in in motion for there not to be for it to not be a kind of a crazy year. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, so when you say, like, you know, switching gears, it's almost um, the same idea as, like, we're on a parallel path, meaning that in complicated times, you know, how should we then live, right? So being aware of what's happening 100%, obviously, because we do it week after week, important. Also, how should we then live in the middle of that? is important as well. Like they're both, you know, like people think in terms of uh, like mere Christianity, right? C.S. Lewis, written during World World War II. So one of the greatest apologetic books ever written yeah. as a live radio broadcast, Bonhoeffer's The Cost of Discipleship, I think it was 34 or 35. But it was basically a series of lectures about to the German church, how should we live in a time when the church is trying to take, or government's trying to take over everything. So discipleship doesn't pause during times of crisis. It, it, uh, it accelerates. And so we need to know what's going on and we need to accelerate discipleship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's December of 23 already, which is crazy to think. Oh, man. Um, we were talking about this the other day, how it's exactly four years ago when things started to kind of ramp up in the world, December of 19. How naive was I in December of 19? Oh my gosh. All of us. Like, so dumb. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, we had no clue what was on the horizon. Yeah. December of 2019, where we had heard about this thing happening in China with this flu. Did Nobody knew what it was, but... You know, there was this bubbling up in the news about what was going on. We all learned about this brand new city in China called Wuhan. Um, Remember the Wuhan clan? Wasn't that a hip hop <laughs> band? Remember them? Yeah. Was that what they were called? No. It was the uh, Wu Tang clan. Because Wu Tang is for the children, man. Don't you remember? <laughs> Again, that was a little before my time. It man. was. But one of my proudest accomplishments was putting grits on tour with POD. Oh, man. Because it was at a time when Wu-Tang was touring with, crud, I don't remember, like some metal band. And I was befuddled. Like, how in the world does that How's that work? Work. And weirdly, it did. And so we, yeah, with P.O.D. and Grits on the same tour. Yeah, you know, It was P- a wild tour. That's a good, yeah, that is, that's actually brilliant. I didn't know, I didn't know you were behind that. I would have been a consumer at that point enjoying those <laughs> concerts. But yeah, there's something about like this, P.O.D. was like this urban rock, urban hard rock. Like they were from- Is that what they were called? I'm not, I don't I'm, know. I'm just kind of making it up right now, now that I think about it, because they were from the inner city. They were San Diego. Well, San city. Diego, yeah. Uncle There's Noah a, owned a lawn care company yeah. and a record label, like at the same time. These city boys that put out hard rock jive, would jive completely with some rap. Like it was this weird amalgamation of- styles yeah. that really worked. I mean, P.O.D. had an f- unbelievable career. It, it, they really did. So I knew them when they were still like in a van and trailer playing, you know, just because nobody remotely took them seriously in yeah. CCM world. But there was this audience that that exploded. And so, okay, consumer, let's do this. Uh, what was the MTV video show like, where they did like a countdown or something like that, like with Carson Daly? Mm-hmm. Am I remembering this right? It was a, yeah, because the the guys were on that a mm-hmm. lot, mm-hmm. like a lot. Like, 
In fact, I remember getting um, my first tattoo on the POD bus. This had to be like 98, like at the exit in. Southtown had just released. No, no, I hadn't even. Re- we were watching the first edit of Southtown. Was MTV that ninety eight? MTV Live. MTV Live. Ninety eight. Yeah. I was a ninety eight. Total Man. Request Live. Look at my memory, baby. Yeah. But yeah, their guitar tech was also a tattoo guy, and he wasn't all right in the head. But anyway, we were celebrating. Everybody's excited. So next thing I know, I'm you know getting a, getting a tattoo on my arm of my wife and my daughter's name. Oh my word! While watching Southtown, while they were getting ready to play the Exit In. But I guess the whole point of the Exit In, there was maybe what is it, three hundred capacity in there at the most. You know, now it was wall to wall armpits and sweat and just disgusting teen spirit. But that was the <laughs> beginning of something shifting. Like we're like something's shifting here, man. Like with these guys. So oh my god! And that was actually after. So I guess the Grits POD tour would have been 96 maybe now they just had a little reunion show right grits did here in nashville they did i didn't get to go i was so bummed i wonder how many people even remember grits that listen to this not enough Very there weren't enough percentage. to knew who they were when they were we were working with them. We, were like, <laughs> we tried man so hard they uh and they're great guys but you know they were on the forefront of christian rap hip-hop um yeah, so they. Well, I will say this now because you're definitely not old enough to remember this, and about maybe four people would even know what I'm talking about. But there was a Christian rap, quote unquote, movement in the '80s, and it was horrible. In the '80s, like objectively terrible. Um, there was a guy named Michael Peace. Uh, there was a, a group called uh, Wait, no, Preachers in Disguise. It was PID. Sorry, not POD. I was right. I literally about thought I had the same band name. PID, Preachers in Disguise. Okay, I remember them, and. Stephen Wiley, man, was the first. He was a janitor at the Bible college that I went to in Tulsa and ends up with a record contract, Starsong Records, for a rap deal. And and I'm 99% sure Stephen would never hear this. Um, but it was terrible. <laughs> but it was all we had. So Grits comes along in the 90s, and, you know, they just gotten off the road with Toby uh, and— the, the the whole goatee vibe in the 90s, I didn't fit any of it. I didn't even own anything Adidas or Puma or nothing. Um, But they had a really cool vibe going. And so, yeah, Toby was the guy that put them out there. And we was just... Wasn't Gospel Gangsters in the midst of... Oh, the Gospel Gangsters. How, how could I possibly forget that? And, and it was T-Bone. And T-Bone. The whitest Latino rapper. T-Bone. Oh, my gosh. I wonder what T-Bone's doing. I wonder if he's in jail. <laughs> T-Bone was no. like, he was a whole thing, man. Like he was the whole, T-Bone was an experience like when he'd roll into town. You guys that are listening and watching, you, were, you don't appreciate this as much as we do because it was an era. I mean, Mike and Caleb's eyes are like rolling like, back in there. I have no our, idea who any of these people are. Our producers are, they weren't even born before, I mean, these guys existed. But it was a whole era. It ushered in another another era of really current and good rap christian rap music i yeah. hope i hope right i mean they I paved the so. way i mean look here's the thing about christian music then it's the only genre of music that is defined not by the style but by the lyrical content so every every city you know in those in terrestrial radio you had a rap station a country station a rock station and a christian station no if you had a christian artist of all those like that i'm labeling that's the only one that's not that's not categorized by the style but by the lyrical content that's true and so if you're say grits or pod for that matter like it's not the fault of way fm or k-love even though you know it's fun to kind of bust their chops but it's not their fault they, they're literally yeah. a, a genre of music and a style of music that, that they have so we're inside of this genre this is the style mm-hmm. that we're going to go for and it turns out that in the non-com world that teenagers don't write checks so when you're complaining about k-love or whatever realize that you're not their audience like you're you know they're going for my wife you know but that made it so, so hard for a yeah. Christian hip-hop group to break through. So it's easier, not easy, but it's easier now because, you know, we've seen it over and over again. An artist can blow up with, and Caleb doesn't even know who they are yeah. because the internet has leveled the playing field somewhat. Yeah. So, Man, that's, a whole, that's, a, that's literally a whole other podcast. And how we got down that road, we'll never know, but we're going to get it back. <sighs> there's no segue out of this, is there? There's not. There's not. Other than... We're switching gears and and uh, getting caught up on on a few things. And one of the things we want to 
reintroduce kind of in a way is, and we have a, we've had a lot of new listeners kind of join in and, and, and hang out with us over the past uh, several months in, in 2023. But what we're going to be doing on uh, the next couple of Sundays is, is you teaching us um, through the, through Romans chapter 12 and specifically listing out the, the spiritual gifts that are found there. Mm-hmm. You wrote a book a couple years ago. Remind me when this released, The Power of the Seven. It was December of 2020. Yeah, this December of 2020. So as as the world's falling apart, um, man, that's actually a really good time to write a book, actually. Well, if you remember, it was that was right after Dennis Rainey told me, don't waste your 50s. So mm-hmm. I'm back, I come back from Europe going, oh, God, I can't waste my 50s. And, and then, you know, and one of the things that Dennis had said at that point is, you know, one of the things you can leave behind is what you write and what you speak, right? So um, that was where I wanted to start with it. And yeah, then the world shut down in the middle of that. So it was like- Some extra time. Yeah. Well, if you remember, like what we were trying to do there in that year, especially was instead of losing ground, like gaining ground. So mm-hmm. when it came to the global mission, mm-hmm. we're going to double everything. We're not going to cut back. We're going to double. When it came to church, we're doubling down. And I thought my personal like ministry stuff that that was, I needed to double down on this stuff. So yeah, yeah that was, it was, uh, it was wild, man. Waking up every, I wake up every morning at 5 a.m. Yeah. I remember you doing early morning writing sessions yeah. to bust this out every day. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, gosh, I'm about to name drop. Yeah, I'll just do it. So Don Miller told me, um, when you're writing, you, you yourself know what your most productive time of day is with your brain and give that to the book. So it's like three months. So that means maybe your friends don't get the best part of you for three months, but give that to the book. And he's like, if it's 12 to 2 a.m., whatever it is, you know, which every artist we ever represented, that was like their witching hour. Oh, absolutely. You couldn't get anything done if it wasn't midnight. But mine is 5 to 7 a.m. It's embarrassing, but it's true. And so, yeah, I would just, I'd get up, get in the shower. I'd be in the office, my home office by 5 a.m. and just writing till 7 for as long as it took. Man, well, it was it was worth it because this book is so good. Um, the Power of the Seven, Diving into the Spiritual Gifts, found in Romans chapter 12. Why? Why? <laughs> why? A, why? That's a good question. Well, I mean, it's uh, a... No, that's a good question. From, from uh, you know, from uh, as a pastor... You know, you have to, you know, you're picking topics and, you know, what kind of book should I write? And the topic of spiritual gifts is, 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 is worthy of a, of, of a book and, and to, to dive into because it's, there's so much about it in scripture, but then there's three sets, right? So then there's, there's Ephesians four, there's Romans 12, there's first Corinthians uh, 12. What, what led you down this path? I mean, that's kind of what led me down that path. It wasn't something that I had just started in 2020. It was something that I had noticed sometime, I don't know, long time ago. Because I, I got really, I, you know, I actually I know when it was. It was when I was sitting in a small group thing with my wife taking a spiritual gifts test at a, at a church. This was like 2003. And there's like 30 of them on this list. And I'm like... And that was also the one where I, I scored zero on mercy and I was completely <laughs> baffled. Like, and my wife's like, how is it possible you don't know that you have no mercy? Um, but that was, it was like, okay, this is weird because, and I, and I remember noticing, okay, like I think, let's say prophecy, that exists in Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. Teaching exists in Ephesians and in Romans, but not 1 Corinthians 12. Tongues is just First Corinthians twelve, not Ephesians four. Yeah. So I'm like realizing, wait, so some of these have the same, but then some of them are, are different. And then I started doing a study on the words and realizing, oh, because they're different gifts. Like it's literally, mm-hmm. it's not that there's twenty. It depends on which interpretation. It's not that there's twenty. I think some say twenty three, some say thirty, whatever. When you conflate all of the lists together, some of them pull in something from First Peter, I believe, but. It was the moment was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do a deep dive on this. And that deep dive spent like 10 years of me noticing that. Oh, interesting. That A, they're different. And then just paying attention. You need to go to Africa and, uh, you know, people over there call each other apostle, you know, or <laughs> yeah. pastor or teacher because they read Ephesians and think quite, this is quite literal Ephesians 4, but they don't think of apostle uh, like Paul, like the original 11 and then Paul originally you know, the word apostle in Ephesians just means sent one. 
So it's we think of them, they're missionaries. That's like, so what they are. We, we go and we start things and missions and, you know, so that's, if you take away that, you know, the, the weird ethereal apostle is actually really quite practical. Um, so that's important to know that there's these five gifts that are specifically for the church family, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, which is Ephesians 4. The apest. The apest. And, and seeing that, the, hey, there's a difference even between a shepherd and a teacher, right? Like there's, those are not the same thing in yeah. that Ephesians so back to Romans 12, it was like, okay, so what is Romans 12? Because it was this, to me, it just sat by itself in this list of like, uh, and yeah, I, literally studying through it and thinking someday maybe I'll write a book, but this, it, I just kept coming back to it. And so when it's, when December came, uh, that it felt the most obvious because I had spent the most time on it. Um, I had spent the most time researching observing in other people. Like I would notice over the years, okay, I'm really experiencing this person as like somebody who's the gift of mercy. Let me, let me, let me notice and take notes. So sometimes I'd be studying you guys. You wouldn't even know it. I'd be like just jotting a note in my sure. Apple notes. Um, and <laughs> well, that'd be fun to see. <laughs> like what right? do those notes look like? Well, they know? look like my brain, which is oh, a mess, man. right? You, you know, oh yeah, I've seen your, Mo I've gets seen your triggered notes. when he sees my sermon notes. Lord help <laughs> but, us. Yeah, so that was that was where we came to Romans twelve, which was in that the thing that Romans twelve mattered so much to me was that they 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 are the most ordinary, which means they're the most likely to we miss the supernatural component of them because they just feel so normal that they don't they seem like not as important. And it turns out they're not only equally important to First Corinthians twelve and Ephesians four, but arguably maybe the most important because it's literally the core of who we are gifted at birth by the Holy Spirit uh, to, to be that part of who Jesus is to the world. So as we're giving out all kinds of gifts this December, um, what could it look like for us to give the gift of um, ourselves in the spiritual gift that we've been given to lead others? Um, in, out of strength, you know, heading into 24, I mean, this is kind of what we're talking about heading into 24. We want to have some practical tools on how to, how, how to lead. How can we, how can we be the best version of ourselves? And each of us have a gift that we've been given supernaturally through the spirit. And these are things that, that we gravitate towards. And in Romans 12, seven of these pop out. There's there's different wordings for each of these. And so I don't want to yeah. mess it up, but, um, for you, um, you, you kind of, you I say renamed them, but gave them a category out of these seven. And, yeah. Like I was trying to, because, of, because of translations. Yeah. Like the gift of service, gift of ministry, like those are different. They're all saying the same word. So I kind of went back to the original English or Greek. I'm sorry. And looked at that language and then more like Eugene Peterson, right? I just was trying to give like a personality mm -hmm. to it that it wasn't about trying to modernize it or make it, but, but at the same time, make it understandable. Like, okay, this yeah, gift sure. of, you know, so like your gift would be a gift of, depending, like one of, I think one of the translations is leadership. That sounds good. That sounds fun. I want that one. The gift of leading. Right. But other versions say the gift of administration, right? And that doesn't sound nearly as sexy or fun. <laughs> and and what I've learned, by the way, is, and I, I've literally in some of these uh, identities that I came up with, I, I feel like I need to tweak them more because you, there are certain words that people will gravitate toward that they kind of like that one because it sounds better. So you'll sort of like, well, I, I love the visionary, man. I'm a visionary. I'm a, you know, because it sounds better yeah. than collaborator or imparter. Like, you know, so I, I have been thinking about words that, that, so you don't literally discount it just because I don't like the sound of it. Right. Um, but like yours, uh, the word in Greek literally speaks of a like a guard, a protection, like a, um, there is a business aspect to it. So that's why a lot of the translations will say administration. Um, but it is not just a bean counter. It's, it's way, way, way more than that. It's a literal protection. And that, th that gift is like, uh, Man, in a season like this, we need yeah. guardians on the wall, right? And I will say part of what, why it matters and why it's really good timing to talk about this now headed into 2024 is there's seven of these gifts. We need all seven of them. I only have one. You've got one. 
So we need each other and why it's important and why this is where unity, because this is what Paul is really talking about is That's unity. Right. Is my temptation as a guy, this mind would be gift of teaching. I called it discerner. It's actually the most the most rare, not because it's so exciting, it's just because it's really the, the less, it's not needed that much. But in times of trouble, my gift is kind of needed because it's com, you know taking complex things and, and trying to make them make sense, connecting, discerning. Guardian, 100% needed. But if someone, say, has gift of mercy, um, they may not be acting in the way that you think they should be acting in a time of tragedy in this world or whatever because they're, you know, they're too soft or they're too whatever you might say about someone with the gift of mercy. But the fact is we need that too. So it's not that what they're doing is wrong what I'm doing is right. It's that if we're doing it together, that's, that's, what, that's what's right. Jesus, yeah. the number of perfection is seven. So in any church, in any world, whatever, like we need all seven of them functioning. And in different seasons, maybe this one comes to the forefront a little more. Like we've joked about it, but it's kind of true that my leadership style, yours for that matter, you know, in, in times that are really good and crushing, like everybody's prospering, whatever, um, people aren't lining up outside of conduit during those times because they don't have any questions. But when, when times got rough, times are getting hard, like they'll line up. Because we're just trying to make sense of this stuff. That doesn't mean that a church that isn't hitting these things is not doing their job. It just means that maybe that's a pastor that's got the gift of mercy or that's a pastor that's got the gift of encouragement and he doesn't like to deal with a lot of sad things or whatever. Like they're they're all needed now. Yeah, for a different season. Yeah. Yeah. So even when it comes to – look, I'll say this. Uh, I think I can say – I'll say names. <laughs> our, our governor of Tennessee, Governor Lee, is a godly man. He loves Jesus. He loves his wife and his children. And um, and if, if I don't, I, I know I know Bill well enough, and know of Bill well enough to say, I'm sorry, Governor Lee, that I think he would be gift of encouragement on it because he's just this kind, positive, uplifting. He's high capacity. I mean, the dude took a you know uh, an HVAC company that his father started or grandfather and and turned it into a juggernaut in our country. So. That's his spiritual gift, you know, is encouraged. He's just, he's a courageous guy. But he doesn't sit around reading European epidemiologists on Twitter at <laughs> two in the morning, like you and I were doing. Um, Nerds. <laughs> so it's not that when people wanted to say bust his chops because he didn't lead or this or whatever, like, you know, he was leading with the spiritual gift God gave him in that moment. That's what, what was, you know, he had to give. And this is what we have to give in this. And so in, in a season that's going to be complicated, some of the tension that we could diffuse is to say that, yeah, your your fellow brother in Christ might not be responding the way that you would in this situation, but it's most likely or is very likely that it's because of the spiritual gift they've got, not because they're in sin. So don't try to force somebody in the same way. I can't try to force somebody to react like I would react. I, you know, react like God created me to react. You react like God created you to react. And we all come together. And it becomes the, that's Jesus. That's the literal, because he talks about the body of Christ, the body. These are the body parts and the body of Christ are these seven gifts. And these seven gifts are this, I'm going to go ahead and list it. The gift of prophecy or visionary, the gift of serving, the collaborator, the gift of teaching, the discerner, the gift of encouragement, the encourager, um, the gift of generosity or giving, the imparter. Uh, the gift of leading, guardian, which is, I'll check that box. That's that's where I land. Um, the gift of mercy, the responder. And as a discerner for you, as a, you know, the gift of teaching uh, also implies that you have a gift of learning. <laughs> where, where did that, where did that come from? Like as a kid, like where, like what, what, <laughs> how did you turn into a nerd so early? <laughs> But isn't that like the, all the data collection and yeah. wanting to read and know and figure yeah. things out and investigate? Like where, what prompted that? It's so Psalm 139, 13, he, the, the, I think it's David, a Psalm of David. It's actually a very famous Psalm. You know, you know, my innermost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. You know, it's a beautiful Psalm, but he says that you possessed my, the King James version, you know, the, the only original version of the Bible, apparently. <laughs> But it actually says, thou hast possessed my reins, speaking of like a, a equine language. And 
the the language around that possessing your reins is that that uh, the reins in a horse's mouth are what steer them. The, it's how the rider communicates with them to where they're supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And so, while I was still in my mother's womb, while you were still in your mother's womb, he knit your innermost being, not just your sternum and your clavicle, but who you are, was knit together in your mother's womb before the foundations of the earth you were who you so he put a piece of himself in you that's a gift to the world around you that only through the holy spirit then can uh be realized and fully given out but that's it that's that's it's people call it personality whatever but it's like the reins that he used to steer me are different than the ones that he's using to steer you but they start from early early age i mean i i I have vivid memories of getting up and watching. Like back then, we had like four channels with a, the TV. a, a pair of vice grips. Yeah, on the, <laughs> the turn to channel. I remember the whole you know vice grip uh, channel yeah. thing. I think my uh, I think my aunt had a situation like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to turn the channel and then like the the foil bunny ears. Yes, like. So you could get cable, which didn't work in our town. I don't know if it worked in the city or not. Kids don't even know what that. Look, if I said foil on the bunny ears, on a TV, do you have any idea what that would? Kids, Caleb knows no clue what we're talking about, and it's not even that long ago. Signal, yeah, he knows. Micah knows. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Producer, producers, Micah, Caleb, they're they're nodding as it, but I don't know if they've seen it. They've never had to deal with it. No, never once in your life getting up did your father say. Son, get up and go change the channel <laughs> That's for me. Right. I'm sitting here in my my tidy whities watching the news. I want to yeah. I want to watch the A team now. You got to get up and turn and, the channel and get rid of the static. Yeah, yeah. Tune it out. That's funny. So the connection to you is that that's like i, I remember watching the ag report at 5 a.m i've been getting up at 5 a.m ag report i know well there wasn't any literally was nothing else on i, I i'm old enough to remember turning on the tv to white fuzz and at 5 a.m the national anthem and a flag would come on because they're turning the tv on like literally the station is turning on there was no 24 hours oh, so there'd be like a little flag and you know god bless america and uh and then the ag report would come on and i'd watch it and then the Praise the Lord show with Jib and Tammy Faye Baker. I'm five, okay? Are you kidding me? Watching Colonel Sanders on the, the the Praise the Lord show. And then we got, around nine years old, we got actual cable, which meant we had like nine channels now, I think. One of them was CNN. Started watching CNN headline news back when it was actually news, not, you know, mm-hmm. a propaganda machine. And I didn't know it was weird. I genuinely didn't know it was weird. <laughs> I mean, I didn't go to school and talk about it. You know, hey, did you guys see that this morning on the news? Like, I never said that, but um, but that was just part of who who I was and great. the it's Bible great. aimed at that. So, But I would assume you, like as a guardian, like did you keep your sock drawer organized when you were young? Uh, heck no. What about your workspace? Like when you, so, so your workspace, which is hilarious to me, there can be really? chaos all around you, but you have, everything has its spot. You you know where it goes. There's not there's no clutter. Yeah, I kind of pride myself in being anti clutter. To be honest, I think that's a guardian trait. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't know where this came from, and I, I've done a lot of study around this just because you 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 prompted me to look into it after reading your book and kind of working alongside to uh, to gather data on all these different gifts and and yet and I, and I encourage every person to. F- to, to dive into figuring out your gift because you will learn so much about yourself. Um, and we'll explain uh, a couple of tips on how you can, can find your specific gift if you don't know it already. But I've, I've been trying to like reverse engineer like where this guardian gift came from for me. Um, <laughs> I know I, I like one of the earliest memories I have of, of me knowing that I had this administrative gift. This sounds so silly. But uh, we took a road trip um, we did, we went on vacation one summer, summer of 89. We went from Dayton, Ohio to Myrtle Beach. The closest beach to Dayton, Ohio, by the way, is Myrtle Beach, which is 14 hours. Because, um, you're, you know, you're in a landlocked state and it is what it is. Yep. But so what my dad did for me and my brother to pass the time was he bought us uh, boxes and boxes of 1989 Topps baseball cards for us to open and collect and go through it because they had a, came with a little stick of gum in them, you know? And so 
you know, we're passing the hours by opening all of these baseball cards. But what am I doing? I am organizing them into baseball card sleeves by team or color or or name. Yep. And it's like in a it's all like just pristine. And my brother's is just like a disaster. Uh, that's it. Like man. his like side of the car was a mess. That's what I'm driving for, man. <laughs> like that's literally it. Like that it's it's literally wo- woven, weaved, whatever the verb is. Woven. In before you're born, like it's yeah. woven into you, and it's part of how. And what I think is so beautiful about Romans 12 is that every attempt at this, whether it's Myers Briggs or Disc or Enneagram, whatever, yeah, is as an attempt by a human to describe what God described in the Bible 2,000 years ago. Which is no, I've, the, the, you guys can have fun with all that, but this is this is how I created you, and by stepping into it and allowing the Holy Spirit to you know, grow that in you, take off the, the, the hurt and the shame that will surround it, that you become who God created you to be, which is literally then a, a gift that is not to you, but through you. So that your gift of keeping those baseball cards in the right sleeves turns out to work out pretty well when you're trying to keep track of millions of dollars going through a church to the developing world. We've got to make sure someone's got to make sure that that stuff is yeah. figured out. So that is a spiritual gift that is a gift to people that you'll only meet the other side of heaven, like that have received this month a, a disbursement or whatever, gifts of food or whatever from our church. You know, it that it got there because we have guardians mm-hmm. making sure that the money goes where it's supposed to go. Like it's not just a personality trait. It is a gift from God to do God's will on earth, which is why Romans 12, immediately following the the spelling out of these gifts, starts talking about feeding the poor, loving your enemy. Like all of that is after you figure out and then just deliver the gift that you've been given. And this is what it will look like as a church that's changing the world. Yeah, you talked about just a little little bit ago about, um, you know, different churches, different personalities based upon maybe the, the pastor and their strengths and, and what they lean into. And, you know, for... For you and for us, um, in hard times, like you mentioned, like the discerner guardian, that's kind of where we're activated. You know, like like I'm energized. Yeah, energized. You've been energized too the last couple of years. Uh, just it's like a the you know, it's like something like a switch flips, um, and we get. I won't say bored in when there's nothing happening because there's plenty to do and to keep up with, but there's there's an activation that happens in in hard times. Maybe explain a little bit, like, you know, how, what that looked like in 2020 and 2021 uh, for you, like, you know, going through, man, like you said, like reading, reading reports and um, following the news closely hour upon hour because the things were changing. Like, what about that bubbled up inside of you to try to figure stuff out? Like, why was that so important? Why did, why did that bring you to the, as a lead dog in the hunt to figure out the truth? I mean, I I think you've probably felt the same way, but information was what we needed to make the right decision. We were being told a bunch of decisions that we needed to make, but nobody was giving us information as to why we had to do it. And part of the reason that I was I was caught flat-footed was I was seeing the information coming out and going, "Oh, there's sure, there's this is this is not that. We're going to figure this out. Like this is this is serious." But we're going to figure this out. Like it wasn't, it was immediately obvious that this was not Ebola. It was immediately obvious, right? Not diphtheria, smallpox. Like it wasn't killing children. Like that was not uh, unknown at the, at the, even by March, it wasn't unknown because they had already had information coming out of Asia and China. And, um, and even their information was as spotty and inaccurate, you know, the, the overall, you're like, okay, there's this is not a danger to children. It's not a, a danger to mostly, for the most part, people under 50. So we knew that, but that was because we were looking at the information and the facts, not is, the emotion of it. Is there a gift of discernment in there too? I mean, it's kind of the same thing, but like the spirit leading to help discern, like something's off. Yeah, that's interesting. So 1 Corinthians 12 is what speaks of the spirit, the gift of discernment, right? And... I guess I never really connected that thought. I think that, so the, the the Holy Spirit gift of discernment, yeah, is to look at 
the situation and just like the the little antennas, whatever, with your own, you know, tin, not your tinfoil hat, but your tinfoil <laughs> Holy Spirit antenna, going, something doesn't seem right here. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I'm sensing something here. Um, but that is, a, I think that's a, that would be a different gift though mm. than, than literally just sitting down with, with information and, and divorcing yourself from the emotion of it. Objective. And objectively saying, yeah. this is where we are. This is the fact. These are the facts. And what do we do with these facts in mind? And the, the thing that makes me frustrating to a lot of people, to myself included, is I have this gift. People with my gift have this ability to literally almost completely devoid of emotion, look at facts and make hard decisions because, they're, because it's right, because it's true. Uh, that makes it easy to make hard decisions, but it makes it frustrating because people then assume that you're just a cold, you know, mean, grumpy, whatever. They've called me a whole lot worse than that, actually. Um, but it wasn't about, there. it's like the idea that there's no such thing as a solution. The Genesis 3 world in general, there's only trade-offs. There's no solutions in the Genesis 3 world. So it became about, right, okay, this is a virus that has been unleashed on this world. People are going to die. It's a, it's a tragedy and it's horrible. How many people are going to die because we shut the world down? How many people are going to die because they've literally stopped the commerce around the world? Like, So either solution, someone's dying. The question is who. The question is how many. And so even now, like when I listen to somebody like Sam Harris, you know, wax back from his philosophical, you know, and trying to double down on his decisions of COVID, it, they never bring out the the alternative to it, you know, the if we didn't do, we had to shut the world down, we had to do this, but they don't ever visit the alternative of what would have happened if they didn't do that. How many people in these nations would have not died because they missed out on it? Anyway, so the discerner part of it is just, it's just taking facts and bringing them together and making a decision based on that. It's, it's, it's a, a bit like the new chat GPT, by the way. Have you seen this? So chat GPT 4.0 has a new, uh, analyzer feature so you can this is amazing by the way and, and this speaks to how nerdy we are so if you're listening to this maybe you're a nerd because <laughs> you enjoy this kind of stuff but you can now upload a document and i'm still working to figure this out you can now upload an excel file which again my love language you can upload an excel file and it analyze it for any data you want it to spit out like for instance like I can huh. upload, let's just say, just for instance, like an example, I can upload 2022's, you know, P&L or 2023's P&L. And then I can start to ask it questions to pare down information that I want out of that P&L. Interesting. Has it been, have you played with it enough? To, is it I, accurate? I played with it um, enough to know that it's, it's almost there. Huh. And, and it really comes down to asking it the right questions and phrasing it the, the right way. But I was I was messing with it um, last week, and it was it was spitting out like ninety percent the right answers, and then like ten percent it felt like it just pulled from some other yeah. something else that was not right. It's not quite there yet, but the fact that it can churn all of that data and spit out an answer with a simple text based question was fascinating huh. to me. And therein lies like the nuance of a difference between your gift and mine. I, I need the information. That's what I, I seek. But I, I would not ever think of a spreadsheet as anything other than uh, terrifying. Like I just <laughs> anything other than terrifying. I just don't. They they I don't like them. They uh, I, I don't even I don't know how to make them. I I, I like bottom line. Something you know about me. I just. I just want to know whatever it is. I just want to know what it is. Whatever the you know the bottom line is. I, I don't need paragraphs of info. I just need the the bullet points. So I like what it, what a spreadsheet can do for me. Uh, but someone else has to figure out how to do it because I yeah. can't. I just I would literally rather claw my own eyes out than sit down in front of a spreadsheet and figure it out. But on the other hand, you know, people like you, Amy, I guess I would put Mike Howard in that category, mm -hmm. like. You guys can figure out the, which is exactly what we needed, by the way, especially during the COVID years. We needed people who 
could look at the information, could compile it and create it in a way that makes sense and then make decisions from that. And that was, Guardians were doing that all day long. Well, it kind of led us to start this podcast to begin with, um, to to bring clarity to chaos. We say that a lot, but that's kind of what birthed this podcast, um, is how can we take all this information, all this stuff that's out there, synthesize it in yeah. a way that makes sense, and then filter it through a biblical lens. Yeah. And hopefully that gives us a tool and a resource uh, to, to live in a way that is Christ-like, through hard times, yeah, which feels like uh, we're about to do again um, yeah. in twenty in twenty four, and so you know we, we keep mentioning that just because we we truly believe like we need to um, we need to do the work um, spiritually, physically, emotionally, um, just to prepare ourselves for 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 hard times. I, I don't see it getting any easier. Yeah, when we think about 2024, it might also be just as helpful to say, and from here on out. <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah. in, in many ways, That's true. we have reached a point of no return as far as our nation is concerned. Mm. Uh, now, I don't know what that means. There may be a brand new version of this that actually turns out to be really a whole lot better and amazing and prosperous. I would love if that's true. Um, Without the return of... Jesus, to make that happen, history doesn't bode well for that. Like that is not something that has, well, ever happened in history, that there's never been an empire that has come along, exploded, has done really well, had a, a major falling apart, and then rebuilt into something better. Like that's never happened. It's always the exact opposite of that from whether it's China to uh, Turks, whatever, like they, their empire still exists, but in a very uh, limited and uh, totalitarian manner. And so whether we, uh, this experiment in democracy ends with that, we don't know. But what we do know is um, God is on the throne. He's given us gifts. Paul wrote this book, Romans, to the Christians in Rome. Paul's going to be executed in this very city. Uh, I want to say 20, 15 years after this was written. Um, so he's writing this in, in that environment. And that's what the Bible will help us to navigate through uh, good times. And just as importantly, through bad times. Of the seven gifts listed in Romans 12, with your experience of you know diving into this, over the past couple of years, what is the largest percentage of those gifts uh, attributed to? Uh, which one has which most? one has the most? Like, yeah, most funny. most people most people out of the, out of the seven listed, a majority of them are imparters. Imparters, okay. So 30, they, I think it's thirty percent. So that's the gift of giving. Yeah. Generosity. Which is a large number, by the way. Yeah. When you think of thirty percent of seven gifts, that means the other seven. I think number two is Guardian, by the way, if okay. I remember right. Yeah. And I want to say it's 20-something percent. The beautiful thing is because we've, we've had this test online for the last three years, I think we're 12,000 people now that are taking this test. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good batch to and pull from. Yeah, so you've got a percentage now of, of who, who did what, you know? Uh, unfortunately for me, mine was a 1%. Like, <laughs> Are you serious? So I know I feel kind of bad. We just spent a bunch of time talking about mine because nobody, it's literally <laughs> going to be helpful to nobody listening to this podcast. The discerner gift is the least of the seven as yeah. far as popularity-wise? Uh, yeah, as far as accessibility. There accessibility, just aren't. Yeah. Which makes sense. Like the men of Issachar who understood the times and knew what to do were by far the smallest tribe in Israel. Yeah. By like order of magnitude, the smallest it wasn't that, you know, Dan or these others were, you know, were dumb. It's just that God needed a tribe to be able to, that's what their job was. Understand the times, know what to do. So that's the smallest tribe, the smallest gift, imparter. An imparter is gift of giving and has almost nothing to do with money. Um, we're all called to be generous. We're all called to give of our resources, time, treasure, talent. In fact, some of the most financially generous people I know are visionaries or encouragers. But imparters, it's about, in fact, I think it's First Thessalonians. Paul uses that word again where he talks about we desire to impart a piece of ourself into you. Like it's a genuine, it's uh, the gift of peace. 
in imparting means like that, I'm imparting to you uh, peace in the situation. And I think that the reason that is the, the biggest one is God knew that we would need that the most. Like we need peace and we need people with that gift to insert yourself into the conversation, insert yourself into a church and just be that imparting peace into everyone around you, including yourself. So it's a gift. It's the gift of giving, not necessarily financially. It's more of of, of themselves, their time. Um, yeah, bring being peacemakers. Yeah, I I used to think um, when I very first started the study, I really focused on on the financial side because the idea that yeah, for vision for God's mission to be accomplished, there's going to need to be financial r- revenue. You know, for helping these families in Israel that we're helping, we're, financially that's important. But I, I went, I did the word study on it, and every other time it's used in the New Testament, like it doesn't refer to money. It, mm. it it's just, it's just not like it's, it's. So, and the point being that uh, again, like I said, all of us are called to be financially generous, and when you look at guys or women, men or women who are visionaries or encouragers, they actually tend to be quite successful financially in their day to day lives because that's just how they live. Mm. So. I think we're at 120,000 so far that we've raised for our friends in Israel, uh, which is an wow. astounding number for one day. And I, I don't know because I haven't looked, but I would, I'd be willing to bet money that a majority of it, if there were large, large gifts, would, those are going to be either uh, visionaries or encouragers or you know, something along those lines. And, and yet there's going to be a whole bunch of like imparters and they're given money as well, you know, because mm-hmm. they are generous. But it is about their, and what is imparting is just that you're imparting peace to them. And the way that an imparter that I've experienced them is that's because they put their own personal preferences aside. They just want peace. They want, you know, the downside of it, of course, is then you end up losing yourself in it and you don't have an opinion anymore because I don't want to have an opinion. Um, That's a shame thing that the enemy puts on us. But on on the other hand, like in our world, like uh, Jeremy Heslip, Jim Henderson, uh, on our elder board, like these guys are peacemaker guys. And I look to them to find out how people are feeling like in a sermon or whatever, like they they can set, they can read the room like a book. Like they can feel the, the emotion of it and feel when there's a disturbance in the force. <laughs> and which is extremely helpful for me because, you know, I'm borderline autistic when it comes to that. Like, I don't know. I found it on myself. It's just true. I didn't know. Um, but there, that gift is, in a church world, in in your day-to-day world, if you have that gift, if that's who God has called you to be, we really need you to get in line with it and do it. Because my experience, most people that have this gift actually don't like it about themselves. It's something about themselves that they hate, that I'm not confrontational or I'm not whatever, you know, so it's almost viewed with a lot of shame. You mean, you mean those that discover what their gift is and know what their gift is, they view it as a... Uh, as a negative, they, 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 yeah, they, I actually across the board, I was, spe- I was speaking specifically of imparters, oh, okay. but that's true across the board for the most part. Yeah. That there it's in fact, it's one of the ways, you know, you're getting pretty warm as to what your gift is, is if I'm, if I'm wincing, like, ooh, <laughs> like, like you just don't like, like the characteristics of that gift for each of us, we kind of look at as like, ugh, I don't like that about myself when in reality, everyone around us appreciates that about ourselves a hundred percent like that's the that's the, the the gift right like you in a form believing the truth about yourself which um i believe to be just the, the best biblical gift of or description of humility that i've ever come up with is just that believing the truth about yourself and romans he says that don't you know when you look at yourself look at yourself soberly humbly uh and when you do that you're like oh then this is who I am because I wanted to be anything but who I was like and am right. Like that, the idea of being the kid that read the wall street journal in high school wasn't uh, sexy, (laughs) you know? Uh, It's not what you lead with on a first date. You know, Hey babe, did you read the New York times? This morning was a fascinating op-ed piece, you know, by David Brooks. (laughs) Use the word fascinating. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's I, usually a pretty good tip. Uh, yeah, those are the th- <laughs> those, for, uh, those that are discerners. If you if you see your friends uh, or you hear yourself using the word fascinating often, 
Like a lot. Yeah, I think you, you may be a, a discerner. Yeah, because it really is fascinating <laughs> to me. Like everything, which one of the hardest parts, by the way, was, was beginning to learn just because I thought it was fascinating doesn't mean it is. Like there were certain times I'd be teaching something on a Sunday and I'm like, do you guys not see how fascinating? I mean, I'm so excited about something. I'm like, no, they're not because it's right. really not that fascinating. But the gifts themselves, there's a shame that if you're in, if you're the enemy, what's the best thing you could do to mow, which is to neutralize that gift. And shame is what neutralizes those gifts mm. in us. That you, uh, what makes you who you are, what makes you needed and necessary in the body of Christ, that if the enemy can neutralize that with shame, uh, it, it literally, it's, it takes like, take an arm off. So now here I've got this human body, but I can no longer use my left arm because I've, it's been neutralized by shame. Mm. Uh, that's the perfect plan of the enemy. Um, is to neutralize it in yourself with shame or to neutralize it by wanting everybody else to be the same as you. We see this a lot when you're doing discipleship training. I see this a lot like in Africa. We've had to really adapt in this way that, uh, so like Alex Matala, yeah. African wisdom, visionary for days. Like there's, a, there's not a, oh, I wonder if this guy's a visionary. Like right. that's done. We know that. Now, in Africa, discipleship then a lot of times it looks like you need to look like me now. Looks like the leader. Yeah. So if you're Alex and that's who you are, the, the proclivity in us as humans is replicating me in someone else. So if every pastor that he has raised up of the thousands of young men and women he has raised up in leadership, they're not all supposed to look like Alex. But the temptation is to try to look like Alex and, you know, be a visionary and be, you know, whatever. And at this, and if you do that, you're going to find yourself exhausted and uh, incomplete and it's, it neutralizes you. Like I've got this gift of teaching, this discerner gift, I can fall into and, and, and especially if I've got all the information, like I can lead that way once I get all that information, but I need to stay in my lane because that's where I will. In fact, you know, when you look at even like times over history, like where I've tried to teach in a different way than, than God has wired me to do, like, it, first of all, it's not very good. Actually, it's not good at all. And, and it's exhausting to me. Like, yeah. I have nothing against people who do series stuff. We went through a season where we were doing series because, you know, it just seemed like this is what we're supposed to do. But it was, when I think back on that, maybe it was me looking at Romans 12 going, I really don't want to be me anymore. I want to be this other because it's so much more fun. Um, but it wasn't fun and it wasn't, um, I, I bet if you were to look at our church on a chart, I, I bet that season was where we plateaued for a while. <laughs> you know what I mean? I wonder if it was. I'll we'll have to look back on that. Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, over the four, past 14 years um, of Conduit, it has been a journey to find out what works best for for you um, in terms of in terms of selecting topics and in how we go about teaching on a Sunday and the content. And, you know, we've tried all kinds of things to kind of find a rhythm that works well. And, um, and I, I would venture to say, and I think it's accurate that what you started with, what the church started with, which was a exegetical line by line, verse by verse, chapter by chapter Bible study with a handful of people, mm -hmm. a, you know, a 12 year journey later uh, of figuring out what works best on a Sunday to grow a church or whatever it is, you're right back where you started because that's exactly what it, what worked best and was in your sweet spot and what we've been doing the past couple of years. That's worked really, really well. Yeah. Right. I mean that when I think back on, especially the early two thousands, when the Bible study started, I actually didn't know what the term exit, Jetical meant exegesis. Yeah, I, I would later learn that. Okay, I, this is something I really believe about scripture, or whatever. And I realized, oh, there's actually a name for it. Like I didn't know. Yeah. Um, I didn't. Uh, I didn't know there was a name for teaching. Yeah, breaking down the the scriptures verse at a time, word at a time. Yeah, because the reason we did it that way at the Bible study days was all literally all I was doing. I mean, I had a, I had a company, I had employees, I, I didn't have, I, well, yeah, I didn't have time to sit around. So all I would do is 
this is what I was already studying and, and researching and, and trying to understand. When I think back, I was just trying to understand that this week. And I would just share that. Mm-hmm. And it was how I studied the Bible at home. I'm going through this book. I want to understand this. And it takes you on a journey to all the other books. And that was what we did. It wasn't even kind of fancy. I yeah. didn't. I didn't write sermons like at all. Yeah. Um, and I've had to work on on the craft of it um, a lot, actually. But yeah, when I go back to it, like literally, that's all I've been doing this for 20 some years. Well, it turns out that most of us, most people really do enjoy and, and appreciate bringing that clarity a verse at a time in the context of scripture. It's like, okay, what is what is going on here? The, we've, we talk about this um, a lot internally, just the the level of biblical literacy in America, oh, buddy. Yeah, uh, if, if there is a chart out there, I'm sure there is. I'm sure you know Pew or one of the any of these other uh, data companies could provide a chart for showing the level of biblical literacy over the past hundred years uh, in America. I would I would guess plummeted that it is the lowest it's been. Yeah, over the course of those past hundred years. Yeah, and there is actually research, and I cannot remember the actual numbers, but it's bad. And yeah. and I think bad because if you're a—so a, you're Ephesians 4, you're a shepherd, right, a pastor, with the gift of visionary, right, Romans 12. Sunday's going to look different, right, than me with a, a shepherd's calling and a Romans 12 gift of teaching. It, it just looks different on it. So, you know, for us, I would, I would say if you were to put, okay, where does conduit uh, weak, maybe that's a strong word, but when it comes to day-to-day practical discipleship stuff, like that's not been my sweet spot, right? Like I'm, it's just not my sweet spot. Um, it's not that I don't live out a day-to-day discipleship in my own life. I just, it's not my sweet spot. Um, so if you're in a, you know, a church like ours, like bringing people into the mix that have that gift, which we have done, has greatly increased mm-hmm. those parts of who we are. And when it comes to the biblical literacy part, one of the struggles in our country has been, I think it was Eugene Peterson, this started when the pastor's study became the office instead of a study. That in his mind, which I, he probably was accurate, that it, up until the 80s and 90s, the pastor didn't have an office, he had a study. And because he was actually studying, like that was part of the job was to study the scriptures yeah. and to deliver the goods, not just to lead the organization, but to teach the people. Yeah. When it went from teacher, pastor, mm-hmm. shepherd to CEO. Yeah. And I honestly, I mean, look, I'm not Holy Ghost Jr. It's, I'm retiring that job was the best decision I ever made because I, you know, it's not my job. But I don't think that pastors that have a leader visionary mentality, they're not doing it wrong. They just... We just needed some extra stuff over here to be beefed up in that area. So there was this, it wasn't necessarily that they're doing it wrong as much as we just, as a system inside of it, we needed the, the disciple. Well, you know what it was? You come back to it. The, the Sunday morning was considered the primary spot for evangelism in the world. And I know pastors very personally that that's, and they still believe that, that Sunday morning is an evangelistic outreach and we'll get to discipleship on some other day. Now, what we've seen was that, for the most part, that does not happen. Yeah. What we've decided is that we believe that the Sunday gathering, can people come to Christ in that? Absolutely. But it's Hebrews 10, 24, when you come together, right? Inspire one another to love, to good deeds. So we do the things that we see in Scripture, but we view a Sunday more about ministering, speaking to, encouraging, and discipling our fellow Christians than it is reaching non-Christians. And you empower them on a Sunday to go do Sunday night or Monday— as opposed to the other way around. And so that is why our church looks like it does. And for good or bad or other, you know, that's in good times. It's not that great for people really, when you think about it, like there, there is an audience for it. There's no question that there's an audience for it. And at the same time, there's a reason why uh, churches with a lot of visionary leaders, whatever, have got eight to 10,000, 20,000 people because for the most part, humans don't really want, that's a bold statement. Most of the spiritual gifts in here, they like to be encouraged. They like to not have to deal with the complicated questions. They want to go check their box. God bless them. 
that's just not how, uh, that's just not what it looks like in our world. Well, over the next couple of weeks, we are going to uh, dive into the power of the seven, um, this book, but specifically in the Romans. Um, if I could give some homework, can I give homework? They're not going to do it, but you can do it. Uh, well, they might. I've been known to give. I've, I've been known to give homework before. <laughs> <laughs> you probably did all your homework all the time, didn't you? Okay, this is funny that you bring this up because this came up at Thanksgiving <laughs> with between me and my brother and my mom and dad two weeks ago. <laughs> it's funny how that stuff percolates. Uh, I never had homework because I was I was I got it done in class. And my brother always had loads of homework. And then I would get in trouble from my parents. Because you didn't have it? They're like, where's your homework? Like, your brother has all, but where's yours? Like, I, I, I did it in class. So, so, boy, this will come up in therapy. So their assumption is that not, hey, Moe's doing such a good job that he doesn't have homework when he comes home, but Mo must be screwing this up somewhere <laughs> because he doesn't have any homework. Yeah. Oh man, that hurt. That hurts me. I feel like yeah, my, my, yeah. My brother was just always like making fun of me because I never had homework and he did. And it was like a whole thing. And, but so no, I, I never had, I mean, I had homework, but I always got it done. So either like just in class or while the teacher's talking or I don't know. I and was able to guardians stuff out. and all the guardians are like, oh, see, why would that, that's not surprising. <laughs> of course, that's what you do. You just do your homework. Yeah. So the homework, the homework lesson today Romans 12, Romans 12, read Romans 12, specifically verses five through eight, and then read the whole chapter of Romans so you have the context of what's going on. And then if you have time, uh, go read Ephesians chapter four, and then also go read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, just so again, you can have the context of the spiritual gifts that are listed that Paul is writing about here. And you know this this coming Sunday, we're gonna dive into this. You're gonna dive into this specifically. Um, through Romans 12, identifying these seven gifts. And I'm what I'm excited about these next couple of weeks, you know, talking about a series uh, that you don't like to do, but this one you enjoy doing because you wrote a book about it. And, and it's, it's to see people's lights go off in their hearts of, oh, that's, that's my gift. It's been there the whole time. I viewed it in shame or I viewed it as a weakness. To see people experience the freedom of finding their gift and then deploying that gift into the body of Christ or even in their own families is is an amazing process to yeah. watch. It really is. I mean, when you step into, when you just allow the Holy Spirit to move in the way that he's wired you to move with humility, it's really restful it's really in, invigorating it's and and man it, it man it takes so much pressure off like when i finally came to the conclusion that i the reason I, like i need these other seven gifts and I'd, I'd love it if it was just me but the only one that ever ever existed that had all seven was jesus mm. uh, so uh, in a weird way that's me declaring i want to be god because i want to have yeah. all of these yeah i hate to be in need but I, when I finally realized that and came to that and stepped into it, it really has been pretty peaceful. Like yeah. I, I it takes the pressure off. Yeah. And it gives me an enormous amount of empathy and patience for others that, that have a different kind of gift and even the ability to laugh, you know, at them or myself for that matter. Um, because, you know, there's, because it's incomplete, because I've only got one, that means that I've got, you know, six blind spots in me that I need. To, so I'm going to do some stuff that's frustrating. Mm. So, you know, but it gives empathy and and compassion and and humility to say that I, I cannot, will not survive unless I have the other six around me. And, uh, and when you look at our elder board, when you look at our staff, mm. you know, we've got, we've got the whole spread and. Yeah. That's awesome how it works together. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, so like Eric, encourager all day long, you know, and he thinks nothing but positive, thinks nothing but optimistic and nothing but we can, con we can end slavery on this side of heaven. You know, he just hundred percent believes it. And so for me to have a conversation with him means that, Hey, I don't pee in his Cheerios. Uh, like, well, what about this or what about that? Like, let him have his vision thing. Like, let him be that. Uh, and at the same time, then he needs us to say, and we got to pay for that somehow. So let's, figure that, you know, so, <laughs> but we need, we need that gift. Right. So right. that's, you know, uh, it, it, it's amazing to have that. And that's, you know, Jason's worship gift, 
uh, I'm sorry, his talent is, is music, but his gift, right, is encouragement, encouraging, and he's, you know, the joy and the, mm-hmm. it's why there's so much energy and hype and when he's got the band down there, because, you know, they love hanging out with it. You kind of, you leave feeling better. You leave feeling like I have more mm-hmm. courage than I when I came in here because that's his gift. And good. so anyway, we'll, good. We'll, we'll talk more about that. Yes. Well, we invite you into this journey with us. We invite you into um, stepping it up this next year and discovering your spiritual gift and going on this journey with us as we prepare ourselves for for what's going to come in this next year. If you have the opportunity um, and you haven't joined us on a Sunday, we'd love to have you visit us. If not in person, maybe online, uh, YouTube, our YouTube channel, um, 11 a.m. We stream every Sunday. Uh, that service and would love to have you join us there. If you are just catching up, maybe you're new, click the subscribe button on YouTube. We're now uh, posting these podcasts on YouTube and we'd love to have you keep up to date just by watching us there as well. Have a great week.